The following sermon is by Stephen Tillis, pastor of Emanuel Baptist Church in Raleigh, North Carolina. Please visit us at 2100 Noble Road in Raleigh or on the web at ebcraleigh.com. And now, here's Pastor Steve. Amen, church. Let's take our Bibles, if we would, find our place in the Old Testament book of Isaiah. Isaiah in chapter number 44. While you're turning there to Isaiah 44, right near the center of your Bible, if you're not used to a Bible, there's one in the pew back in front of you. There's a table of contents right at the front of the Bible, so you can find it, the book of Isaiah, right toward the middle of the Scriptures, Isaiah 44. While you're turning there, I just want to take a moment to say thank you so much. Was that choir piece wonderful or what? That was just a blessing to my soul. And um, thank you so much for all of our brothers and sisters just leading us in worship. Church, I want to thank you for singing out to God's glory, just uh, listening to God's people um, sing together. Uh, I want to be, uh, also want to say a word about Friday night. This past Friday night, we had uh, kind of a coffee house worship night in the fellowship hall, coffee and cookies, and then we sang together for a while. And that was a wonderful night of worship. Thank you for everybody uh, that put all of that together. And I also want to kind of do this on the front end. I, I want to say thank you uh, to them. They're not even in here right now, but all those folks that are back in the kitchen working to try and get everything ready uh, for our lunch here in just a little bit. These folks work tirelessly. Uh, they're behind the scenes. And, you know, as, as the pastor, I, um, I'm privileged. I feel uh, ready before the Lord to preach to you the Word. But it's, uh, it's a privilege to serve in a church where my responsibility is to come and preach the Word. And so many of God's people have already been serving and ministering and praying and singing. And uh, I just want you to know that Connie and I uh, love you very much. And we are thankful to be here. Isaiah chapter number 44, verse, uh, uh, verse 21 through verse number 23. I told a brother before the service, I said, uh, smelling so much good food there in the kitchen, I'll go ahead and cut my sermon short by about 15 minutes. We'll get to the food quicker. No, I'm just kidding. I promise we'll be done by two. Here we go. Uh, Isaiah 44, verse number 21. Remember these things, O Jacob and Israel, for you are my servant. I have formed you, you are my servant. O Israel, you will not be forgotten by me. I have wiped out your transgressions like a thick cloud and your sins like a heavy mist. Return to me, for I have redeemed you." Shout for your joy, O heavens, for the Lord has done it. Shout joyfully or sing joyfully, you lower parts of the earth. Break forth into a shout of joy, you mountains, O forest and every tree in it. For the Lord has redeemed Jacob, and in Israel He has shown forth His glory. Would you join me in a word of prayer? Our Father, we love You so much. We thank You for this day. Every day, every Sunday of the year is uh, the resurrection day. We come to celebrate the risen Lord Jesus Christ. We proclaim the good news of your saving mercy. Lord, we want to see uh, homes put back together and lives changed and people renewed by your power. 
And yet on this day of the year we come, Lord, and we celebrate our heritage of 68 years and we rejoice with where we are and we think about the future when we pray for Your blessing and power to be placed upon our church, Lord, as we celebrate our church in this community. May we truly be a city set on a hill. May we not hide our light under the bushel, Lord, but may we shine to the uttermost parts of the earth. May we shine right here in our own zip code. Now, Lord, I pray in these moments together that our minds and hearts would be focused on worshiping You, learning from Your Word how to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. I pray for every person in the room today, Lord, whether lost or saved, skeptic or true believer. I pray that we would give You our full attention and that we would seek to see if these things are correct and right. We pray that Your Spirit would move deep within our own hearts and minds. Convict us of our sin. Help us to confess where we are wrong and to throw ourselves upon the grace of Jesus Christ. That we would come to behold the mystery of Christ who has been raised from the dead and saves men and women and boys and girls. And we will love You and thank You. For it is in the name of Jesus we pray these things. Amen. I was thinking this week a little bit about uh, how it is that we celebrate uh, 68 years in our church. Well, you know, how do we uh, demonstrate our thankfulness? How is it that we come to celebrate? And uh, for some reason, I guess maybe because kind of football has uh, started this week and really kicks off today, I was thinking back about Super Bowl 27. I'm a Dallas Cowboy fan. Please don't hold that against me. Super Bowl 27. Defensive lineman Leon Lett picks up a fumble on the 40-yard line, starts rumbling down to the end zone. Defensive linemen don't normally score touchdowns. This is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. He has the football in his hands. He's running. He gets all the way close to the goal line. And before he actually crosses the goal line into the end zone, he holds the ball out in celebration. Don Beebe, who has made a second career of speaking about how never to give up for the Buffalo Bills, comes running all the way across the field. They are down already by 35 points, and Don Beebe, before Leon Lett can cross the goal line, knocks the ball out of his hand. He celebrated a bit too soon. When we come to a text like this and we think about our own church and the 68 years that we've been here, church, I want to say to us, let us not celebrate too soon. Let us understand how we should celebrate before the Lord. The main idea of this text is that true celebration comes from being rightly related to God. It is not what we have done. It is not our skill set. It is not all of our accomplishments. But true celebration before the Lord is being rightly related to him. This chapter in its entirety shows us that God delivered the Old Testament Israelites from Egypt, that He delivered them from idols, and that He delivered them from sin. But ultimately, this text in the book of Isaiah points far beyond the children of Israel, and it points to our church today, and it points to believers in the world, and it says to us that the Lord Jesus Christ too can deliver us from our bondage, that Christ can deliver us from our idols, and that Christ can deliver us from our our sin. And so we ask the question today, 
How should our church, how should Emmanuel Baptist Church celebrate 68 years serving the Lord in our community? Let me give you three simple points today. Hopefully they will lodge in your memory and you can meditate on these this week. First of all, from verse number 21, just simply remember this, we should remember. We should remember. Look back down at the text. It says this, Remember these things, O Jacob and Israel, for you are my servant. I have formed you. You are my servant, O Israel. You will not be forgotten of me. You see, there in the passage, he says that we should remember and remember your need. In fact, in this chapter, we should remember our need for redemption. Brothers and sisters, don't ever forget the fact that we were all lost, unbelieving sinners on our way to the devil's hell, that we had been the enemy of God, and if it wasn't for the grace of God, we would still be in that condition. We need to remember the necessity of Christ going to the cross and being raised again from the dead. This is not mere religion. This is the truth that Jesus dies for sinners. This week, did you remember what Christ has done for you? you? Have you looked deep in your life? Are you so concerned with what is going on in the present that you don't remember what Christ has done for you? Remember your need for salvation. It also says that we should remember the pledge of God's forgiveness and His mercy and the new life that comes from all that the Lord does for us. There are brothers and sisters in this room today and you're so bogged down with all of the details of life and the suffering and the pain and things that are in your life right now that you haven't remembered this week what Jesus has done for you. Lifted you up out of the miry clay. Set your feet on the solid rock. Given you an eternal home in heaven. Given you a new heart. Given you a new life. Given you a new church. Jesus has delivered us. Amen? And if we want our church to move forward in the future, if we want the vision for our church to be a shining light in our community, then it must start with the people of God remembering not just the tradition of those that we stand on their shoulders, but remembering farther back what Christ has done for us. There was a day in your life where you were an unbelieving, empty sinner and one day you heard the gospel, whether it was somebody preaching, whether it was mom or dad sharing with you, whether it was a brother or sister or a youth group or in a children's class, somebody shared with you that Jesus loved you and died for you and you embraced that truth and He saved you out of all of your sin. Remember that day in your mind right now. If you're in here right now and you can't say in your own heart, I remember, I remember when Christ lifted me up out of my sin. You need Christ. My great fear is that there are many believers in our church and in every church who are so worried about the trivialities of life that you never pause to remember what it was like to be lost. Maybe I can give you a little premature application on that. Do you remember what it was like to be lost? Do you remember what it was like to have no direction in life without the Lord Jesus? Maybe today you ought to take your mind back and say, I remember that. And I remember what the Lord has done for me. 
Not only do we remember our need for redemption and His pledge of forgiveness, but this passage also teaches us the certainty of God's promises since He says to us that He will forgive us and make us new. We must remember what the Lord has done. Look at verse number 21 again. He says here, not only do we remember because we're forgetful people, but He says, and Israel, for you are my servant. And then look at the repeating phrase. You are my servant, O Israel. You will, uh, he says there again, I have formed you, my servant. I'll tell you, we not only need to remember what Christ has done for us in the past, we need to remember that we are not high on the hog, that we are not the kings and queens of our own world, that not everything rises and falls on our preferences, but that we are simply and merely servants before the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? We need to walk out of here today and serve our community and serve unbelievers and serve the people at our work and serve our family remembering that we are servants and not everything is about us and building us up and for us, but we are to go out into the world and serve as servants of Jesus Christ. It says here, notice that it says, for you have formed us or made us. Do you know back in chapter 43 in verse number 1, it speaks here that those who have false idols in their life, they were the one who were forming. And verse number 12 and 13 of this chapter as well too, that if you have a false idol, they were the one forming and fashioning false idols using the wood and the trees to make an idol. But in this passage, it is saying that it is not us who form our gods, but it is God who fashions and forms us. Now, would you pause and think about that for a moment in your life? Do you have any gods that you're forming and fashioning? What about your bank account? What about your relationships? What about your life? Are you arranging and carving and niching and designing a particular kind of life so that it winds up being the happiest and the best life for you? Or have you bowed your knee and submitted to God and said, I want you to form and fashion my life as your servant? You see, the New Testament picks up on this in the book of Romans, and it says that they began to worship the creature more than the Creator. And brothers and sisters, I would say that many of us in this room, we have this same problem in our life, that we begin to flip-flop what the Bible says, and we make ourselves God, and we make God what it is that we want to fashion. And so we want to serve a God that looks like the one that we want to serve. In fact, most of us design a God that looks a lot like us. What the Lord wants you to do is to say, no, Lord, I'm your servant. Whatever you want from me, I'll do. I submit my life to you. Wherever you want me to go, whatever you want me to say, whatever you want me to give, what you want from my life, you can have. Because you're the one that is forming me and shaping me. I hope that you'll remember what Christ has done. I hope that you'll remember that you are a servant before Him today. Say, how do we celebrate? You celebrate first by remembering the Lord. And then look at the end of verse number 21. I just want to show you something that's encouraging. You see, it mirrors the beginning of verse number 21, but in a contrasting kind of way. It begins the verse by saying, remember, our responsibility is to remember we are a forgetful people and we are to remember the Lord. You would expect the mirror image 
language at the end of verse number 21 to give you the negative standpoint and say, now don't forget, but that's not what it says. Look what it says at the end of verse number 21. Oh Israel, you will not be forgotten by Him. You see, God loves us so much that He knows even in our sinfulness and our wickedness and even in our shame, even in our forgetfulness, God never forgets. Amen? Aren't you glad that this week when you failed and you came short and you messed up and you, you may be in here today and you say, Man, Pastor, don't beat me over the head. I, I know that I messed up this week. Aren't you glad that Jesus never forgets us even when we forget Him? And so what that ought to do is not let you walk out of here and say, well, I can let it all go. What it ought to do is breathe grace and mercy and kindness and joy into your soul. You ought to celebrate today because even when we forget Him, He never forgets us. You may feel isolated. You may feel marginalized. You may feel pushed to the edge. You may feel like nobody in the world remembers, but God remembers His people. Follow Him. Follow Him. Remember Him. Merlin, Merlin said, the doom of men is that we forget. And I find so many times in our lives, we are quick to forget what God has done for us. I was reading this past week about a, a, an attorney in the 15th century. I didn't even know they had attorneys in the 15th century. I thought that wickedness just came about in the 20th century. No, I'm just messing with you. I read about this attorney in the 15th century who had a photographic memory and uh, there was a filibuster or a recital going on uh, in, this, in this great hall and when he would listen, he could not help but memorize every word that was said. And he said at the end of this six-hour recital, he said, I heard six hours and memorized six hours of total nonsense. And when I read that, I paused for a moment and I realized there are a lot of things in our life that we memorize that are nonsense. And we forget the most important thing in all the world, God. We memorize baseball stats. <laughs> we memorize recipes. We memorize all kinds of things at our work, and certainly some of those things are necessary. We want to remember all kinds of things, but we are so prone in our own life to forget the One who made us and loved us and gave His Son to die for us. So how are you going to celebrate 68 years as a church? Start by remembering what God has done. Amen? Let me give you a second point today from the text. Look at verse number 22. We have, or I have wiped out your transgressions like a thick cloud and your sins like a heavy mist. Here's the second point. Return to me, for I have redeemed you. The way that we must celebrate today is not only by remembering what the Lord has done, but by repenting and returning to Him. 
We must return to our forgiving God. Look what it says here. I have wiped out your transgressions like a thick cloud and your sins like a heavy mist. It's talking about the morning dew or the fog that rises in the morning. And we may have trouble driving in it sometimes, but with God, He just simply blows out of His mouth or just moves His hands so the text would have you be. And He just moves our sins out of the way. He forgives us. He is gracious. He is mercy. And we must return to Him. That is, repent, turn from our sins, and turn back to the living God of heaven. I just want to pause for a moment. I know that this is an unpopular message today. And I know that we all came here today to eat and fellowship and reminisce with people. And I'm so glad everybody is here today. But I want you to know that one day you'll have to stand before the Lord. And so will I. And God will ask me if I told you the truth. And so I want to just make sure for my own soul that I do you right. God wants His people people to turn from their sin and return to the Lord. And so if you're in here today and maybe you're a believer and you, you trusted Christ as your Savior, you truly are a believer, but you've not been walking with Him. You've not been following Him. There's sin in your life. There are secret components of your life that have not been given over to Him. I tell you not on my authority, but on the authority of the Scripture and the Lord Jesus Christ. Turn to Jesus right now in your own mind. Apostle Apologize and confess that sin and determine in your heart right now that this is the good, glad day that you will turn back to the Lord. Turn to Him. Early this morning, about 3 o'clock in the morning, not because I wanted to be up at 3, but somebody needed a bottle at 3 in the morning. I was sitting there in the quietness of the morning and I was thinking about a good brother in our church and I'll never tell you who it is. I was thinking about a brother in our church and some years ago he, he would come on a, a, on a big day here and there and uh, he would speak to me and he would, say, uh, he would say something to me and be like, man, you know, I really need to get back. I, I know this is what I need to do. I need to get back. And, uh, but time would pass. Time would pass. But then one day he came to a church service and he sung the songs and he listened to God's people pray and he heard the word of Jesus preached. And he bowed his heart and said, I'm a believer, but I need to return to you. And he's one of the most faithful members of this church. And he studies the Bible every week. And he's trying to be the most godly husband he can be. And he's praying for his children. And he's pulling with all of his might behind what we're doing here in this community and in this church. And I want to say something to you. There are some people in this room right now that you could learn a lesson from that. He says, Steve, I, I know that I've trusted Christ. I know I've believed in Him. But your heart is far from the Lord. I want to urge you and pull from you in your own life Right now, turn back to Him. He's gracious, He's kind, He's merciful, and the Lord will help you. He's forgiving. Look at what it says. I have wiped away your transgressions. And look at what it says at the end of the verse. Return, for He is the one who redeems you. Can I say to you this? Don't ever think for a moment that your repentance and your turning earns the salvation of God or the favor of God. You see, you are to turn because He has already provided redemption. And that's what Christ did for us on the cross. 
He died for us. He loved us. He shed His blood. He gave His Son that we might come to Him, bow our hearts, bow our minds, and say, Lord, we want to return. Now just this morning, will you receive that? Will you let go of some of the bitterness, anxiety, frustration, meanness? Will you, will you just let go of some of the sin that's holding you and closing you? Right now in your own heart, God loves you, my friend. God loves you. Turn to Him. Just say, Lord, I, I need some help. I've not been walking with you. I'm not been following you. There's areas of my life that aren't what they should be. Will you forgive me? Will you redeem me? Will you help me? I want you to know that the Lord will do that for you right now. Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing is one of my favorite songs. And I uh, told you before, sometimes I try and sing to the kids when I put them to bed at night. And I, uh, as I'm singing, I close my eyes and pretend I'm Jamie. And uh, it never comes out like Jamie's voice, but I do the best that I can. And I sing, uh, I always finish by singing, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. And this week I was reading the story uh, uh, behind that by Robert uh, Robinson. And uh, Robert Robinson wrote, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing, when he was a young man. And the Lord had blessed his life. He loved Jesus. He wrote that song, and it was blessing thousands and thousands of people. But young Robert grew older. And he grew away from the Lord. And where he was once hot for the Lord Jesus Christ, where he once had given all that he had to serving Him and following Him, he became cold and indignant and frustrated, had bitterness in his heart. And one day he found himself beside a young lady that was on a train. And she had just come from a revival meeting. And she said to the man that was sitting beside him, Tell me, sir, have you ever heard this song, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing? And he tried to put it off and he didn't want to talk to her and she kept witnessing and saying, Sir, have you heard this song? What do you think about this kind of Lord? What do you think about this river of life? What do you think about this fount of blessing of the Lord Jesus Christ? And she begins to share the gospel with, uh, with Robert as an older man. And finally he breaks down and he says to her, Ma'am, I wrote the song, but I'm not living that way anymore. And she said to him, I assure you that the streams of mercy are still never ceasing. And I say to you today, the streams of God's mercy and grace are never ceasing. Wherever you find yourself today in your spirit, come back to Him and He'll help you. Amen? Well, let me give you one more point and we'll finish and go eat. From verse number 23, how is it that we celebrate today? Well, we remember the Lord, we return to the Lord, and we rejoice in the Lord. Look at what it says in verse number 23. You'll see the repetition here. Shout for joy. You might have something like sing, or make a melody, make a joyful. But it, the word here, shout, actually really carries the connotation in a good way because it means, it means make it loud. <laughs> 
Right? Sing loud. Shout with for joy, O heavens, for the Lord has done it. Shout joyfully, you lower parts of the earth. Break forth into it. Look at there's a third time. Shout of joy, you mountains and old forests and all of the trees. And then it gives you the reason why. For the Lord, not myself. For the Lord, not you. For the Lord has redeemed. And it is His showing forth of His glory. Brothers and sisters, the way that we rejoice today is not by thinking about all of the glory days or not thinking about uh, all of these other things in our life, but rejoicing in what He alone has done. Amen? He is to be worshipped. It is His glory and His honor. And we are to rejoice and to shout and to give ourselves over to Him. I would say that this text teaches us that we are to rejoice without inhibition. Without inhibition. When you come in here, hey, let me tell you something. Uh, the reason why I sit on the front row, I'm going to tell you right now. The reason why I sit on the front row is so that I don't really think about who all is here today or not. I don't look around me. I don't, I don't, I don't, I could care less. I'm just going to worship Jesus Christ with everything that I've got. And I would say to you, it'd be good for you to worship the Lord without inhibition. Just sing to the glory of God. You say, I don't sound that good. Hey, just sing it out anyway. Just make a joyful noise to the Lord. You go to the ball game and make a fool out of yourself. You wake up Monday morning, you'll be hoarse. You paint your, I know a guy in this room that painted the whole upper half of his body and went to an NC State game. What I want you to do is paint a cross on yourself and come, no, I'm just kidding with you. Right? <laughs> hey, listen, you go to the ball game and shout. You'll go in the shower and sing operatic style. Don't lie to me, you know you do that. You've tried opera in the shower once before. Now, how are you going to sing in the shower and sing at the ball game, but not come to church and sing without any inhibition? Just sing it out to the glory of God. Not only without inhibition, but I want you to know this text teaches us that all of creation rejoices at the work of God. And Romans 8 teaches us the same thing, that we groan and creation groans for the redemption of humanity. We are to spread the goodness of Jesus Christ to all the world. And even the trees and the oceans will rejoice and shout to the glory of the Almighty God who created it. I think it's interesting in this passage that those who have idols cut down the trees and fashion them into their idols. But when the right God is worshipped, the text teaches even the trees worship Him. Worship the Lord without inhibition, all creation. And then look there, we rejoice not at what we've done, but at His redeeming glory. Amen? When the disciples came back to Jesus, they said, you're never going to believe this. We've got this cool power to heal people. And Jesus said, don't, don't get happy about that. Rejoice that your name is written down in glory. I like what A.W. Tozer said. He said, the Christian owes it to the world to be supernaturally joyful. Everybody in the world that is not a believer in Jesus Christ has no access to the kind of joy that comes from being brought from death to life, from hell to heaven. 
From the old into the new. You have a reason to be joyful above everybody else in the world. You say, my life is hard right now. It may be, but these are passing away and there is eternal glory waiting for us and Christ is coming again. Rejoice, rejoice, rejoice in the Lord. And again I say, rejoice. How do we celebrate? We remember. We return. We rejoice. Tell you this, and we'll pray together. I was reading this last week a story about when Teddy Roosevelt uh, flew back to America from one of his uh, great hunting trips. That uh, arriving at the airport at the exact same time uh, was a missionary couple that had been in Africa for decades serving the Lord in obscurity. And uh, when Teddy Roosevelt's plane got to the airport, as huge fanfare, all, there was even a band there. They received him. I mean, it was just incredible amount of people to come out to receive Teddy Roosevelt back from a hunting trip. And uh, this man and this woman who had given decades of their life into Africa, serving as missionaries, when they got off the plane, there wasn't even a family member to welcome them home. Now, couldn't you imagine yourself there? And they walk out to get their, their, get their luggage and the man grumbles to his wife and says to her, well, look at that, lots of fanfare for him, no hand fanfare for us, nobody cares, nobody's rejoicing, nobody does anything for us. And like most good godly women, she whispered in his ear and said, honey, we're not home yet. Oh, Leon Lett started celebrating a little bit too early. I think if you could talk to him today, he'd probably say something like, I should have remembered all of the things that the coach said to hold on to the ball tightly. I should have turned back in my mind and gone back to the drills. I should have turned back to what the coaches and everybody was screaming on the sideline, hold on to the ball, make it to the goal line. I should have turned back and listened to the authority in my life. I should have waited to rejoice until I crossed the goal line. Emmanuel Baptist Church, how will we celebrate today? How will you celebrate? I pray that you'll remember the Lord, turn back to the Lord, and rejoice not in what you've done, but in what He's done for you. Would you bow your heads with me and close your eyes for a moment? Our heads are bowed, eyes are closed. In just a moment, we'll sing a song together. I'm not sure how much quiet time you have this week, but I want to give you a moment just to pray. I have a feeling in my heart there are some folks in here right now. That second point is driving home in your soul. Yes, you need to turn back to the Lord. He's merciful, forgiving. His Spirit will assist you the entire way. But you need to turn back. Don't get to the end of your life and listen to the echoes of this cackling preacher saying, return. Just talk to Him right now. He loves you. He's gracious.
You've been listening to Stephen Tillis, pastor of Emmanuel Baptist Church in Raleigh. For more information and free access to other messages, please visit us at ebcraleigh.com.